0: Work Stories is a place for
1: women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Our next guest is a chocolatier. Cindy owns a chocolate shop in Dallas and tells us how she went from working in construction to having some of the most well-known chocolates in Texas. Let's talk to Cindy. I am Cindy Pabraza from Coco André Chocolatier based in Oak Cliff, Texas. Tell us like what kind of things you sell at Coco André.
2: We make chocolate and we also sell horchata, which is a very traditional Mexican drink, but it can also be made all over Latin America. And I'm even finding that different countries also have their own version of it. Everybody calls it something different. Yeah. So we're also an horchateria and a chocolatier and we make truffles, bar, custom orders, some molds. We make little chocolate figurines, just all kinds of different things.
1: Yeah, and I was so lucky cuz I found out about you all. A friend who's out of the country made an order for me there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I got like a package of chocolate bomb, like the milk yeah. bomb, a lot of truffles, and it was a bottle of horchata, all these different things. So, that was how I found out and I was like, "Wait, you're in my neighborhood. You're so yeah, close that's to so me." Cool. That's the funny part, though. So I don't even know how that happened. So we have a lot of people that find us out of date and even
2: out of the country. Like, yeah. I've had people from France send chocolate to people here in
1: the neighborhood. And those people are like, I didn't even know you were here. right. No. <laughs> Well, you're friendly. <laughs> like- right. And definitely, I mean, you guys are the leaders of chocolate in this region, particularly in um, North Texas. Oh, so thank you. Everybody, particularly here, should know. But obviously, you do online orders and things like that. We do. Mm-hmm. We want to introduce you to our whole Work Stories community. So let's talk about before you were a business owner. Tell us what kind of jobs you had. Before I was a business owner, my last
2: job before we started this was before the recession of 2009. So I was a project manager for a construction company. It was a tire crane company. So we were building buildings. We sold the equipment to make a building, right? Like those big crane when they're trying to raise up a skyscraper. Uh-huh. So I was a project manager for a tire crane company. And I really enjoyed it because I was like 25, 27 when I started there. And I was like in a field that was all men, very uh-huh. man driven, but I was in charge of all these projects and men. So it was really cool to like hold my own in those spaces but of course the recession came i lost my job and that's when coco andre started with my mom because she had also lost her
1: job since i've lived in dallas i've met a lot of women who tell me they either work in construction currently or they used to as i've been kind of you know spreading the word about work stories and having these conversations with women locally and so i'm reacting like oh my goodness and they kind of give me a look like mm-hmm, yeah girl mm-hmm. like they have like <laughs> stories to tell and so when you're in a male-dominated industry like that what do you do to assert yourself as the authority and get people to respect you
2: you just have to be strong like I remember the men would try to crack like jokes, just like trying to diminish you but in a kind of like in a funny witty way right so I'm Uh like okay I can be funny witty back (laughs) (laughs) and I would hit them back with their own medicine right so I think that was the only hard part becoming a little bit more clever and more sassy I guess towards men you know holding your own I don't want to say putting them in their place because it sounds awful, but. but <laughs> I mean, but, but maybe yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I had to hold my own against them, you know? So yeah, I think that was the toughest part. All the women that I worked with were very supportive. They all kind of looked out for one another. They kind of understood like if we were going through something or if we had an interaction with one of the guys, you know, we would talk about it and then we'd figure out a plan of action of how we we're going to handle it. So I worked in pretty safe environment for the most part. Yeah,
1: and it seems like a very big difference from then Starting a business with your mom, and then making chocolates. So, what was the time period in which you and your mom lost your job? Was it like the same week or almost a month apart? So,
2: 2009, and then I think hers was April, and I was May. But in April, she like hit the ground running. She kind of knew the company where she was working at; it wasn't doing well anyway. She knew it wasn't going to last very long. She was working for this company for 20 plus years, and then after five years, it was sold, and she stayed on because it was a woman that bought it and she wanted to support her, but she didn't know that much about chocolate and it just didn't last after that. And then the recession hit and it just didn't survive that. So my mom was laid off in 2009 and then me right after her. And that's how we started.
1: So tell us about how you and your mom decided we're going to make this business. We're going to make chocolate. <laughs> I decided I would
2: join her because like I said, she was taking entrepreneurship classes and she was kind of ready to create her own business because she kept looking for jobs. Nothing was paying her quite what she was already used to. She was older and then she was like, I just don't see myself working for somebody. And then this happening again, because she thought after 20 years that she was going to get like a pension party and all this. Mm -hmm. And to hear that the company was sold and then none of the employees really knew they were in the dark. The next day, the new owner comes in and it was a small company. So it's hard to keep a secret like that, right? So they really did. And she just kind of felt disheartened after that she's like I don't want to work for anybody else ever again and I'm like well whatever you want to do I was crying and I'm like well I'm 27 I'm a single mother I just bought my house I was living this grandiose life for me mm. it felt like so amazing that I'm like well I'll support you in whatever you want to do um you know you've already been doing this let's go for it you know like this is the time and we decided to look for a space to create our own little chocolate shop and we were lucky enough that Oak Cliff immediately became our home. So the thing is that when we came to Oak Cliff to come see an artist, his name was Daniel Badia. He owned a little art gallery and my mom had seen him on TV. And she's like, well, let's go visit him. I want to go take a look at his artwork. And you know, his story is really beautiful. So we went, we tell him we want to have a chocolate shop eventually. And he's like, well, look across the street. And it was on Davis Street here in Oak Cliff. And he's like, there's buildings there and they're really reasonable rent. And it was It's not like the best looking building, but we're like, okay, well, let's contact the owner. And he gave us the number to the owner and within a month I think we had our key. That's how we started because we didn't have any money saved up. And this beautiful, amazing landlord that never met us was like, The rent'll only be four hundred dollars a month for the first year. And then don't pay me rent until you get your doors open. So that's how we got our first wow. Yeah, like our first location. We were there for at least five years until the neighborhood started changing and you know, the building was bought. So As soon as that building was bought, we're like, we're out of here. We got to find our own building. So we ended up buying our own house here in Bishop Arts. And that's where we work out of now. It's our storefront. And I think that was the best and safest move for us. Thanks to my mom and her instincts. That's why we're still here. Because if not, I don't think we would have survived like the pandemic. Yeah, As you know, rents and everything is going up. And it's just crazy. If you're trying to start a business here in Oak Cliff, the rents are extremely high.
1: Yeah, And for those of you that don't know, Dallas, has always been known for being a really affordable city and particularly like Oak Cliff was also really known for being affordable until like the last until, couple of years yeah, <laughs> since 2009 yeah it's like everything just keeps going up and up and
2: up I remember when I was in high school there was families buying houses for like 30,000 40,000 and then now within, you know, it's been a while, you know, the houses are in the millions. I'm like, yep. this is bananas. Yeah.
1: For us, like working in this economy, like, you know, because you live in a lower cost of living area, a lot of people here don't make enough money to survive no, they don't. In this economy anymore in the, in the city that they're from. So the neighborhood is blowing up. Your house is so cute and perfect. And you guys got so lucky because then all these shops were blowing up around you. And now the area that you guys are located in is like one of the premier areas to visit.
2: Exactly. And I was so scared when we bought this house. I was like, nope, that's it. We're not going to make it. But at least we have this property and we can flip it, hopefully, if anything yeah. happens. The building we were in before, it had been bought out, but they like remodeled it beautifully. And my mom was like, either we stay at this building and we spend the money to build it out, or we spend the money and build out our own building. And I was I was like, well, let's go with what you're saying. It's. She's like, we own the building and we'll build it out to our style. Yep. And I'm like, well, let's go with what your gut is telling us, you know? So we went with her and luckily that was like our saving grace right there that she made that decision for us.
1: So it seems like a few different things are happening to keep you guys on the great path. First of all, you have your mom who has excellent instincts and vision and right and had all of these things to guide you guys in the process. So shout out to her. Yes. Um, And then also you had that landlord who, you know, kind of in a sense took a chance on you. You had affordable rent and was like, you know, don't pay me anything until you're actually selling. That just, I feel like is a great testament to kind of putting that good karma out there. We all struggle in our different industries at some point, but when you have a chance to like reach out a hand and give someone else their start, that's amazing. And I'm happy that that happened for you all. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: So, okay. Tell us the truth. Tell us the hundred percent truth. (laughs) What is is it like working with your mom? Because some of us are like, oh, that would be interesting for us. <laughs> Luckily we
2: have a pretty good relationship. We are good, you know, just like any regular mother daughter. I don't even know what a regular mother daughter <laughs> team looks like anywhere. Yeah. We all have our own traumas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh so we're we're really good we do have our days you know like where we're frustrated or moody and especially during this time but it's more like okay I'm upset then I'll come back later and I'm like oh I'm sorry or she does Aww. the same thing she rarely does the same thing but she'll like <laughs> <hungry>. <laughs> But, you know, they, they hardly ever apologize. Right, their moms, like, they're like, <laughs> yeah. I birthed you. I don't have to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm like, but if I get out of hand or I'm having a good, bad day, I'll be like, hey, I'm sorry. I was just, like, very upset or, right. you know, going yeah. through it this
1: morning. And it's, like, hard because, you know, you're a grown woman, right? You're raising your yeah. own kids. You have your own family. But it's like with parents, no matter how old you get or what you're You're still that little kid. Yes. And so it's <laughs> like, I can imagine, like, I'm just imagining you guys making some big business Decisions and she's looking through, like my little baby is like trying to yeah. tell me we should do it this way what instead of. This do? Way. <laughs> It seems like maybe a challenge, but like a good challenge. It may be a situation that a lot of mother and daughters wouldn't be in because they don't have to make these big decisions together. Well, I love it. You guys are doing great. And obviously like your products and your popularity is a testament to your relationship. So clearly you're doing something right. So currently like we're in this climate where Latina business owners are like it, right? Top of the list in terms of creating new businesses, particularly um, since the pandemic. And so now we're seeing their specific grants and all this help and articles and features, this kind of movement from the general community to support Latina entrepreneurs. But I imagine 12 years ago, it was not like that. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like kind of starting a business as a Latina back then? So when we started, it was very lonely, very depressing, <laughs>
2: especially here in the neighborhood. Like we didn't really have any community. We didn't fit in with the cool kids from the neighborhood. We didn't Aww. fit in with the foodies. We didn't, we didn't have like all these organizations that are you know latina driven so Mm -hmm. very alone when it first started and especially like when we wanted to get a loan or a grant or anything like that we got our first loan seven years into the business until we bought the house so that shows you when progression wow. started, you know, or like things yeah. started to change. And that's funny, you're finally putting it into a timeline for me. Like that's really when I started seeing change within the Latino community and more efforts being done to kind of propel us forward, right? So, uh-huh. so that's when we got our first loan, and that was through the Tory Birch Foundation. She has a capital program, People Fund, uh-huh. and that was our first loan that we ever received. I think it kind of like kicked off telling our story. And And people knowing more about our Latino business. She sent us to the White House one time with um, the Hispanic Women in Education Organization. My mom, an immigrant woman, walking through the halls of, you know, the White House, like, that was something that at the moment I didn't even conceptualize how big of a deal that was for her um, yeah. until like now it, it hits me right you know she, she yeah. grew up in a rural town in Mexico immigrated here in her 20s and then to be able to walk through the halls of the White House you know so it was just very deep and profound and very full circle yeah full circle yeah. after that we also had another experience with the Tory Birch fr- Foundation she had to speak in front of 5,000 women and that was during the Obama administration and mm-hmm. we were literally like six feet away from the Obamas, Oprah all these amazing celebrities and I'm just like freaking out like is this real life? Like, who, Right, know, I like, would die, I would who, just pass out You know like <laughs> we were on this path of chocolate, we thought by by force like this is what we know this is what we're going to do but actually we always say like chocolate chose us because we've gone through so many like great events and met so many people We've traveled because of chocolate. You know, we have a business and we're thriving and we make money for other people and the families that work here. You know, we're able to pay them their paychecks. So I'm like, I definitely feel like chocolate chose us and this is where we're supposed to be at. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think that's particularly beautiful because I'm a chocoholic and everybody that knows me knows that like literally every day I have to have my daily dose of chocolate or I do not act right. No, because you can't be happy without it. No. And it's like some medical study that it gives you the same feelings and like endorphins as being in love. It does. It it definitely does. So it's like so funny that you say like chocolate has brought you all these opportunities and taken you these places and it's like supporting all these people. Cause I'm like, yes, it does. It does. It does does. does. does so much. (laughs) Right. And it seems like I feel like chocolatiering is almost one of those fantasy jobs. Like, I think they made a show about it on TLC a few years ago. And it just seems like almost like working in Santa's workshop or, you know, riding a unicorn all day. It almost seems like the dream job. Like, what is your favorite part in creating these different products and recipes?
2: I think my favorite part of the process is when somebody brings me an idea and then I'm able to fulfill their idea and then I exceed their expectations. But then whenever they give it away to somebody else and they're getting complimented and then, They just feel good about themselves. I think that is like the sweetest Thing, you know uh, you feel good because you did something good you know and it was just like a piece of chocolate right and but it, people are happy about it and I don't know mm-hmm. I think that's the best part and then also with us with being here in Oak Cliff and being a chocolate shop I think the best part for us right now is seeing people get married we've seen people you know get engaged so we make chocolates for their engagement we make chocolates for their wedding we make chocolates for their first child and you know so it's just so nice to have those connections like we're not just a chocolate shop we become part of people's memories and like special occasions that's the coolest part, I think, for us is that we actually be part of people's life stories, you know? Yeah. And such a huge honor, right? Yeah. And then even like in their saddest moments, like we've been there with people who have lost like their partners and spouses. So it's just, you know, it's a blessing, but, you know, we just get very attached to all our customers and for I mean, I don't even like calling them customers. I just like we say our people. Yeah, like our people, (laughs) like we just get very attached to them and like we're very grateful for everybody that walks through our doors and even sometimes like at night I'll just say like random prayers for people that are like on my mind and I'm like this is like so insane like the connections right we don't think just about ourselves we start thinking about all the people that walk through our doors and how we want them to be happy as well
1: I think that's a testament also to how you've been able to connect with the community everyone listening they do like a lot of cool events and they have like vendors come in their store and be able to like share their products people who don't have brick and mortars yet so you you guys give back so much to the community that it's no surprise that you're that emotionally connected to all of your Customers. Yeah. I never thought that
2: life would be like this, you know? Like yeah. I was just a 27-year-old, like living my life, my selfish little glam life. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you're making chocolate and now you're part of a whole community of mm-hmm. people and you're going to worry about
1: them. So exactly. yeah, it's been great though. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. So tell us about, your, you're starting a new venture and you're actually starting in my neighborhood and I'm so excited. Tell us about your new store.
2: So our new store is market and she's coming along slowly. <laughs> um, I was very naive and thinking uh, that it would happen faster than it happened here at Coco. I expected like it to be open in two months and blah, blah, blah. It's going on like five months now. <laughs> But it's fine. It's coming along. I also told myself I wasn't going to stress with this project. So it is a grocery store kind of following with the new wave of reducing and refilling things, you know, where you can take your little containers, um, refill with products as you need, not buying in volume. Uh Because I think for a long time, we were all like conditioned to buy in volume. And with prices going up, with people like not having kids. As much anymore. Mm -hmm. I think people are going to start switching and just buying what they need. So that's going to be one of the focuses of the store. Also, we're going to have a vegan, vegetarian cafe because also that neighborhood is a food desert. So there's really not that many like healthy food options. That's Mm -hmm. another thing that we're going to offer the the neighborhood. And then we want to work with local farmers that we've already made contact with and carry their produce. And also I want to have, you know, like, like my dad, he lives in the neighborhood and he grows his own vegetables. And I'm like, how cool would it be if we have like our elders that are growing, you know, all these great organic vegetables. And sometimes they just go bad because they don't have enough people to give them away to. They can bring them to the store. I can buy them from them and then sell them to like the local people that, you know, have small children or don't have time to grow their own produce or want to eat healthier, but can't afford it either because organic is very expensive. So hopefully this will facilitate that connection between, you know, the younger folks and the older folks or whoever's a farming person that, you know, wants to sell their products to their community and their neighborhood. So again, reinforcing buying local, walking, being more sustainable in the community.
1: Yeah. And this is like such a beautiful mission because as we know when there's neighborhoods of people who look like you and me it's mm-hmm. always the food desert there's always not enough always. resources. there's always yeah. we're waiting for things for so long like I love my Mexican food and I love my junk food, but I don't want it every day. Like I want something
2: different, you know, (laughs) I would like a wrap. I would like a salad. Yeah.
1: Just some variety. Right. And even their local grocery store near where almost going to be has horrible produce. Like every time I go, (laughs) it's, it's old. It has like black spots on it. It's soft. I'm like, has this been sitting here for a month? This pepper? I can't even get a decent red bell pepper. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, so so bad. I'm just like, and then I also want to teach
2: like our kids because I remember like growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so our outing was going to the farmers market. I would learn about produce, and you know, because they would, you know, at the farmers market they would give you like free samples of the fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like, it was our sams. Yeah, but yeah. So my <laughs> parents would like... take us. And that's where we would buy our vegetables and fruit. But I knew exactly what was in season as a child. Like I I knew what was going to be available every weekend that we would go. Yeah. And I want to do that for other kids. I think it's fun to know when your food is available instead of Mm -hmm. like having strawberries all year round and they don't taste they don't taste right in the summer. And they, you know, just like, uh, yeah, I just want to teach people more about food and, you know, healthier options.
1: Yes, exactly. It's such a good mission. And I'm really excited for you guys to open, take your time, but I'm also excited.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, hopefully it'll be this month. I'm like so ready. It needs to be the time already.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So what is your advice for people who want to do what you're doing, whether they have an idea that people have ideas all the time, right. And they don't get to pursue them. Like, so what should they do if they have a great idea for a business? and also particularly ones that like honor their community and their culture and their experiences, like how can they make an impact like you have made an impact on Dallas? Like I said, we started out of a need. I really didn't I wasn't very business savvy and I didn't
2: know what it would require from me. So what I've learned throughout the years is that if it's something that you really love, you're really passionate about, this is gonna be like your child. It's gonna be something that you want to grow, you want to see people support. You want to see people love it. That it's going to grow with you and it's never going to leave you. So it's something that you're always going to think about. You're always going to be thinking of what's the next thing I can do for it. So if you can commit your whole life to it, and then I think then do it. If you can see yourself, you know, just living, breathing, being there for it, then I I say go for it. If you just see it as like, oh, it's just something fun that I want to do and see where it goes, then I say, don't. Okay, <laughs> we say don't. Yeah, because it's really hard. If you really want this business to turn into something, it's going to take up a lot of your time. Yeah. So you got to be devoted. So devoted. Yeah. Because I'm like... If I'm not, you know, if I'm not here, I'm at home and I'm like working on social media or I'm checking my emails at night. If I'm asleep, sometimes I'll have dreams about the chocolate shop. So I'm like, it becomes your whole life. (laughs) And even now, like even with Olmo, it's starting to like trickle into my dreams. So I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Oh God, here we go. Yeah, dreaming, yeah I'm like I was dreaming about fixtures the other night and I'm like, Damn, why? Why am I doing this to oh myself? My goodness. Isn't so. it-
1: But I think a lot of people listening, even if they're not business owners, can relate to that. When you are like passionate about your job, let's say you don't even like all the elements of your job. Because, you know, when we work for other people, there's politics to that. You've got managers, you've got leadership, whatever. But when you're really passionate about the actual tasks that you're doing and the impact that you're making, I do find myself laying in bed at night like, okay, tomorrow I need to do this this oh and I really want to tell people about this idea that I have like exactly. I will think about my work in my sleep too and Me so sure. even though all the elements aren't perfect just like finding something that you feel really passionate about that's gonna last exactly so I'm just like it's it's, it's a lot <laughs>
2: But it's definitely worth it. If it's your dream and it's something that you love and yeah, just put all the care and nurture that you can into it and it'll grow and people will come to it and people will support it, especially when you're genuine and you're really, you know, you really love what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Tell people how they can find your chocolates and how they can patronize the business.
2: So they can come to our shop. We do have a brick and mortar and storefront here in Bishop Arts and it's 508 West 7th Street. And then we're also at Central Market, and Whole Foods here locally. And we're also at Etsy's. And I think if you get on a flight from Florida, you might get one of our chocolates. Oh, <laughs> we're wow. a, yeah, we're <laughs> on American Airlines as well. So yeah, so if you get on a first class flight leaving out of Florida, you might get one of our chocolate airplanes. But we're also at a lot of the hotels here in the area. We finally took a leap and started to work with a distributor. So that's also hard, right? Giving people a little bit of your business and I let a distributor take a little piece and he's actually helped get our name out. So we're a lot of hotels here in the area now.
1: Nice. And people can order online, right? People who aren't in Texas? They can order online. I will personally answer the email. So yeah. Nice. Oh, thank you so much for for sharing your story with us. I feel like you've probably told it a million times because you get interviewed a lot. But But I I don't mind
2: it. I mean, if I can help somebody like even if you're listeners if they feel like DMing me a question I will try to answer as best as I can I always try to you know give because people always gave to us when we started people helped us in any way they could so I want to help other people and in- reciprocate that
1: Yeah you definitely are a very like approachable transparent business owner uh,
2: Yeah cuz I don't know I, when you meet people through chocolate they're always like the kindest most reliable folks <laughs> so I'm just like I've always had that thought and I've And I've never been led wrong. So, everybody that I meet has been amazing.
1: Yes, everybody, if you love chocolate, you definitely have good character. So, these are the rules. These are the rules. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Cindy. I really appreciate you. I am loving all the super honest advice from our business owners on this podcast. And I hope you guys will go out and support Coco Andre. You can order truffles and plenty of other things at CocoAndre.com. Honestly, how can you not love people who make chocolate? Is that even possible? And as we continue on in this holiday season, I want to remind you all to make a concerted effort to support small businesses this season, particularly ones owned by black and brown women who you already know have to do twice as much to make their dreams come true. Have a great week.